Cincinnati Jersey, all on the block. We get it in. Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. What's good, Hummer? It's a great day to be a Bearcat fan, Coomer. Boy, do we have a great podcast in store for our listeners today. Hummer, what's the good news? We have a special guest today. That we do. We do not want to waste any time before we get to this special interview. So allow me to introduce to you former McDonald's Parade Magazine and USA Today High School All-American Parade's National High School Player of the Year, member of one of the most memorable teams in Cincinnati Bearcat basketball history, sixth pick in the 2000 NBA draft, seven-season NBA veteran, original player from the Big Three, and now a University of Cincinnati graduate, Mr. Dumar Johnson. Dumar, thank you for joining the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Basketball Podcast. How are you today? Doing good. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it, man. We are, we are a podcast dedicated exclusively to Cincinnati Bearcats basketball, and we're hoping to talk to you about a variety of things. You've had some interesting commentary on Twitter, uh, particularly about the style of the NBA game as it's changed over the years. Um, but before we get into those things, do you mind giving us kind of a quick rundown of, of what life has looked like for you since leaving the Bearcats basketball program. And I should say as a player, I mean, there's been quite a few years, but um, it'd be fun to kind of learn about what you got going on and what's been going on with you since then. Okay. So after my freshman year, I was drafted by the Atlanta Hawks. Um, played there three years. Really, really only played two because my car accident stopped me from playing my third year. Um, after that, fighting my way, trying to get back healthy and you know get back able to play basketball get back in the nba um i signed with the knicks um then the next year my fourth year um then from there three years with the denver nuggets um then i went to italy after, after the year after that for a few months then i came back from italy um then ended up going to the d league and get picked up by the spurs and i finished the year with the spurs that year um from there it's really just been going going abroad and playing in a lot of different a lot of different countries. Um and and then a few years ago, I say in seventeen, January seventeen, so when I came here, I came down for um um homecoming in two thousand sixteen and, and Mick, you know, he said, I wanna to talk to you. And I was like, Okay. And then he hit me up, he was like, You should, you know, come back here and, you know, help me and and get your get your degree. I'm still playing ball at this time. Um, I said, okay, let me let me think about that. Okay. Hugs Hugs had made that same. Um, he said that to me a few years before that, and I was I was still really in the middle of playing at that time. I wasn't ready to stop playing when Hugs told me. But when Mick said, even though Hugs my guy, Mick said it made more sense because when I came back here, I just still got all the same love, like I like I never left. And in West Virginia, Morgantown, I just got hugs from, from people that right. don't, they don't got no no love for me like people do in Cincinnati. So I stopped playing to come back here, get my degree, um, help coach them guys, 
and and since then, since uh, um, since I graduated in May and Mick left, really this summer has been big three. I've been playing in the big three the last um, three years. This has been three years of the league. I've been there since day one, and and that's really when my summer has been playing in the big three, and that ended not long ago, a few months, month, maybe less than two months ago, and now I'm here in Cincinnati, you know, reaching out to my contacts in the NBA and hoping something comes up. That's awesome. So it's with the big three, it's you and Joe Johnson who are kings of the four-pointers. Is that right? Um, Aren't you renowned for the four-point shot in the well, big three? I, well, year one, I was like second or something. I, I, I hit a few, <laughs> but nah, Joe, Joe got it this year. Joe was knocking them things down like layups. No, he had he had an incredible run, and it's cool to see him leverage that into a into a role with the Pistons now. Uh, yeah. um, you know, it was interesting to hear you say that that both Mick Cronin and Huggins reached out to you to kind of bring you back into their programs. You know, West Virginia right. and Cincinnati. Is that unique to those coaches in particular, or do you think there's something about both of those coaches' ability to keep the relationship going with their players even after they've left? And you know, in your case, only even being with Cincinnati for one year, it seems. That right. seems unique, but maybe it's not. What do you? What would you have to say about that? Um, I, I'm not sure how unique it is. I don't know what conversations other coaches have with their guys. I've always had my relationship with um, with, with both of those guys. Make make recruited me. Um, Hugs was my coach, and I think mostly all Hugs guys, you know, love them, and and they stayed around. You know, our AAU program too, which is in DC. You know, we have we have a lot of kids coming out of so knowing I got it. You know, and with with the kids and coming out of D.C. and just me always, I feel like I'm a good guy, and you know I keep my relationships and and people know that. So I think that helped that some guys, you know, wanting to bring me along because I'm 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 no headache. Right, and then that's clear based on kind of the things you hear on on Twitter and and elsewhere in terms of how you've stayed engaged, especially with the Cincinnati community. Right. Me personally, you know, the reason. I think that you're still received so well and probably over the top in Cincinnati is because you were a part and a key part of what is what I would consider to be the greatest UC basketball team of the modern era. And, right. uh, you know, I'm sure you hear it all the time. It, it, it pains, but also it's, it's exciting for UC fans to relive and think about that 99-2000 team. That team was special. It was. And, and I've been hearing that, like, a lot since I've been back here. Because when I came back here – me being doing one year, I, I wasn't sure how if people would remember me, would know, would care, because I was here for such a short time. But when I came back here, people knew exactly who I was. They knew specific things. Like I, I got instantly got the love right. being in Cincinnati, so that played a big part in me telling Mick, you know what, I'm gonna um, I'm, I'm gonna come back here and, and stop playing ball to come back to Cincinnati and you know and finish school and help coach because. You know, the people, they still give me that same love just for the thing you just said. They remember that team. I hear it all the time. They, can you don't get hurt? We all feel like. <laughs> Mateen Cleaves is our, is our bitter is, enemy. Right. He has our championship. Right. That is our championship, you know, <laughs> right there. And like North Carolina, I was talking trash to Brendan Haywood about when we, we played them because we beat North Carolina that year and they made the Final Four. And I'm like, them guys in the Final Four. We killed them that year. Yeah. We, everyone, everyone knows what happens. If that unfortunate right. game in uh, against St. Louis doesn't happen, right? So, right. you made mention of being from the D.C. metro area, and there's a few cities in America where 
it's kind of like a basketball oasis. I, I would say it's D.C., L.A., Seattle. Those are the three biggest ones that come to mind for me in terms of college basketball and then leading to kind of like a pro pipeline. Right. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little off the grid on this one and ask you a question. There's a very famous basketball player from D.C. He just suffered a very uh, a, a big injury in last year's final or right before. Yeah, last year's finals. Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Is it true? This is a true or false question. Okay. Have you produced beats and rapped freestyles on them with Kevin Durant in the past? Is there any truth to this? Um. Nah, I, uh. I, I haven't. Man, me and Kevin, we've talked about rapping. Okay. Um, I, I, um, I was rapping before before he was, and um, and I gave him my CD a long time ago, and he was really liking my CD. He he did come come to my house. I had a studio in my house in Maryland. Had Michael Beasley, um, Nolan Smith, them all like my little brothers. Um, I don't I don't think Kevin rapped that day. I know Mike. I know Michael did. Okay. I don't think I don't think Kevin rapped that day. So not completely unfounded. There is there is some right. sort of connection there, right. and that's it's right. nothing I could actually find online, but I vaguely no, recall no, we, some talk of it online, maybe on Twitter or some sort of social media platform where I vaguely heard of a connection between you and Kevin, but specifically as it related to music. Right. We we did we didn't do we didn't do a song together. No. Nice. But that will be. I need to reach out to him about that. <laughs> <laughs> so look, funny you asked that. So last New Year's Eve, I, um, I, I went to to Phoenix to visit Billy Hamilton, and Kevin's playing. The Warriors were playing Phoenix that same night, and we all went to the Warriors game. And I was trying to hook up with Kevin. He was in the studio that night. He said, "Come by the studio. I'm in here making music," and and we were all going to go over there, but I just got too caught up over Billy's house playing a video game. I just never made it over to the studio to see Kevin that night. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you guys uh, have a theme song, you, we're always looking for music to intro to the podcast. So uh, oh, yeah. uh, stay in touch on that if, that if that collaboration ever happens. Okay, I got you. Last night, I get uh, a text from my mom and dad saying, no way, you're never going to believe who we're meeting at the bar. And I'm sitting at the... We had just left. I just got home. We're sitting around, and I'm watching YouTube videos. And one of them that comes across, so I was watching the end of the Great Alaskan Shootout, but it comes across as the, the perfect first half of that Louisville game. Mm-hmm. Can you walk me through that, that, magical, that magical half? Oh, man, that was so long ago, but I have seen some of the video. <laughs> um, I was just shooting the ball and making shots. Um, it, it wasn't something that I, I haven't done before. I haven't done it in Cincinnati because when I got here, Kenya Martin just started going crazy. I didn't, they didn't need me to do that. When I first came to Cincinnati, I thought I was going to have to be the scorer because Kenya was a defender. He wasn't a scorer like that. And he just got better and better and better. So they didn't need that from me. But that game, the shots were just falling and the guys just kept feeding me. You said I didn't score much the second half. <laughs> <laughs> a memorable performance, though. How does that team still stay in touch? Like, do you stay in touch with Satterfield and Pete Michael and, and the guys from that team? Um, most of them, not all of them. I haven't seen, I seen Pete this summer for the first time in a, in a long time. Um, I lost touch with Pete, but yeah, Satterfield, that's, that's my, that was my roommate. Nice. Always kept in touch with Satterfield. Um, Kenya and obviously we, we both left and started our journey at the same time with teammates again in Denver. Um, Logan and and Stokes. I haven't talked to Jermaine Tate. I talked to Donald Little. 
Yep. Talk to Fletch every now and then. Nice. Most of the guys. It seems like the, the Bearcat community is pretty tight knit. I mean, it seems like most of you guys stay in touch. We saw it with uh, Coach Brandon having a, uh, a team dinner with all the alumni from the team yeah. over multiple decades. What are your mm-hmm. first impressions of Coach Brandon? Um, I like Coach, man. He's a good, humble guy. You could, you could tell he, he, he played the game. Just by you know the, the when you talk to him and um and him wanting to bring all the other the players back around and and start that that culture over he you know like a you know that that camaraderie because he's used to, he's used to playing on teams and he knows how important that is. Oh, for sure. It's ex- I, what's different is you know when in my lifetime we've had Huggins, we had a year of Andy Kennedy, and then we had Mick Cronin. So in in my mind, I counted as Huggins and Cronin. And there's, they're pretty similar in coaching style, it seems like. They put a lot of focus on defense. Mm-hmm. And some of our games would kind of deteriorate into rock fights. And I would say our offense, if we had a great offensive team, it was a little bit of an outlier. And it seems like yeah. Coach Brandon's putting a lot more focus on the offensive end of the ball. Am I reading that correctly, outside looking in? Oh, no, nah, for sure. It's, well, it's going to be, it's going to be fast-paced offense. I'm going to shoot a lot more threes. I'm going to play a lot faster. Um of course, all coaches know you you want to defend, but when you're playing that fast, it's going to open the game up for you know more points to be scored. Right. Mick 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 didn't want points to be scored. <laughs> like our year, we we scored the ball pretty easy, but you know the emphasis was on defense. We just had so much talent that we could score the ball. You, you're talking yeah. about the '99 2000 team. Yeah. 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 And like Mick Mick, one of them guys to score, but he wasn't going to sacrifice his defense in letting other teams score, you know, for us to be coming down and jacking up threes. Right. It's one of the things I'm more interested in watching from afar is typically freshmen coming in aren't going to be as disciplined on the defensive end. But at UCLA, it seems like already we're seeing he can attract, you know, top-level recruits. And Mm so how finding that balance of accepting the kind of mistakes on the defensive end for the upside of having guys who are going to make more plays for you offensively. Right. That's now there is is different. He's going to have to sacrifice some of that in that conference at that school because, you know, them you got five star talent there. These guys they 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 want to go pro, but he can implement you know some of his stuff, you know, with them guys because we we beat them guys by like thirty last year. They had better <laughs> players. Right. You got better players. We still beat them by thirty. That's you know where the culture comes into play. Yeah. Find his, you know, his medium between playing how, you know, you know, them fans want to see them play and making them guys bust their butt and play defense. It's Hollywood, man. They want to they want to see some more up and down. That's where Showtime started. So uh, it'll be yeah. it's yeah. going to be fun to watch and keep track of. I hope he does well. Yeah, I, I just was texting with him before you um, before we call. Oh, nice. So I did want to talk to you about the up and down style of basketball. We actually had an interaction on Twitter about this, but. Back when you were an NBA prospect, let's say from in 2000, ready to head into the NBA, that's when teams like the Pistons and the Spurs were thriving as these super slow, you know, games were being won like 81 to 78. Yeah. How do you see, I mean, do you see the benefit? Let's say you're born 15 years later and you're entering the NBA when it's run and gun and it's not uncommon to see six, nine, seven foot wings like Giannis. Right. KD, the guys your size, it's more common now to basically see your prototype on the court. Right. It is more common. The game is 
has changed a lot. And a lot of these guys, you know, you got three men playing four now because the game is so fast and you spread, you spreading out, making space for your stars to make plays and you're basically just spotting up and shooting. So when I came in the league, you had to throw the ball in the post almost every time. Mm -hmm. So now, I, man, I love to come out, came out and played in this new NBA. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a great anecdote out there about Kyle Korver getting drafted by the Sixers and coaches basically not wanting him to shoot threes. And in hindsight, you're like, wait, <laughs> Kyle Korver, you don't want shooting right. threes? <laughs> right. Right. I remember Kyle in the Sixers. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the, the game, the game has evolved. These, you know, these kids are starting young with skill, ball training and working out with pro coaches at a young age. You're not just throwing guys on the block and making you do post moves and, you know, like like you used to do now, you know, centers and you guys are shooting threes and handling the ball. Yeah, it's a different game. So what do you who, who do you what do you think or who do you think will surprise fans from this year's team the most? Uh, you know, so far with what we've seen from Midnight Madness and any practices that you may have been to. Um, well, I haven't had a chance to really see him play. Okay. Um, it was mo when I've been to practice, it's been mostly drills. Um, I think what's going to surprise them is the things that they already hear on Twitter, the things they know that coach is going to play fast, going to play fast, going to shoot a lot of threes, and that's going to be different for our fans. Um, I don't know if it'll be surprising because I think that that's been out there that they're going to they should expect that. Yeah, it's not necessarily. I think what would be surprising is if it's as true as it as you think it's going to be. You know, in the offseason, you always hear about what coaches want to do. I've heard at times, like I had heard Mick in the past talking about more up-tempo basketball, yeah. and we might do that in the early season against some, you know, subpar competition. And as the competition tightened up, the pace slowed down. And so I'll be curious if it's as true as it sounds, which is right. super high tempo and lots of threes and more passing and ball movement. Well, that is true, because even being there every day, I, I tell fans all the time, like, I'm there. We have drills where these guys got to – get the ball up and they got to shoot the ball quick and you got to make a certain amount of shots in a certain amount of time, like going up and down the court. So he's screaming for them to push the ball. He wants them to push it. But then also if you, you, if you're taking a shot that's too quick, a shot that he don't like, you're coming out the game too. Yeah. So then, you know, that'll kind of scare the guys from really wanting to play that way. So it's kind of, you don't you, you don't know what to do. Like he wants them to be faster but then I uh, want them to be careful at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like you say, when competition gets harder, you know, you got you to take care of the ball. And I think him taking care of the ball was more important than, you know, them jacking up shots. But Coach Brandon, I just think that's, that's what he knows. Because since day one, like, I went to one of the first practices, he he was already – it's like a pro style. He was already teaching them where, where the spacing, where you guys got to be. And he was on about running from day one. And – I don't think that's something going to change. I think that's just what he knows. That's great to hear. As a fan, that's, that's it's exciting to hear. I should say. And, and right. with a guy like uh, Jaron Cumberland, with his, you know, his, his obviously he wants to go to the NBA. He entered. He tried to enter the draft. He came back to Cincinnati. Under this style of offense, what what are some things that you would think that you need to see from him to take that next step to getting drafted to getting significant minutes in the NBA? Well, I don't know how much. Jaron has to prove. Um, Jaron had a great year last year, mm -hmm. and they they know what he can do. He's not going to get taller. He's not going to um, get more athletic. Mm -hmm. He's just a, he's just a, a really good 
smart player that understands the game. Um, with this offense, it's going to be different because it's not going to be just Jaron having the ball and doing whatever he wants. I think it's equal opportunity for all the players. So he might take a little bit of a hit on his stats. Um, but then again, who knows, because we'll get up more shots, you know, maybe he won't. But I, I just know it's going to be more of more open for everybody to, to kind of, you know, get, get their get their, go their game and get their shots off. But him showing, like, you know, scouts and stuff for the pros, I feel like he just need an opportunity, somebody to take a chance on him. And once they get him and, and on their team and their practice and just see how smart he is and just see how much he understands the game and how he, he always in the right spots and making the right plays, it's going to take somebody to take a chance on him, really. For sure. So before we have we have a three question uh, sample of three questions we want to make sure we ask you because we're going to ask that to all of our guests in the future. Before I do that. We're early. I know it's early. You haven't seen a ton of the team yet. Mm -hmm. Do you think they can win the AAC this year this year? Yes, it's like it's early. It's it's, it's hard to um, it's hard. It's hard to predict that, you know, with all these new players coming in, new coach coming in. Mm -hmm. Hard to predict that, and and then Danny Holloway brought in like the best recruiting class at Memphis. Um, not knowing if if them guys, you okay. know, they're, they're going to all buy in and and you know, as freshmen coming in and, and play and play the right way, it's it's, it's 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 really hard to predict. Now, I would have confidence in you know Mick because I know Mick coaching against a bunch of talented freshmen because. He knows how to take people out of their game. Mm -hmm. with, with Coach Brandon playing up and down, you know, them guys, it's going to be more turnovers, more, more rebounds. So it's going to be a chance for them young guys to get out in transition and, and really play. Makes them a slow. So I'm not sure. I got, I got, I need, I need more. I need to see more. That's a great point on the, uh, on how Mick Cronin would maybe sabotage some of the younger teams. Cause that's what, to me, what Penny's doing down in Memphis, it looks like he's creating the next Kentucky. I don't know. I mean, we'll see if it's sustainable year after year. It's hard to keep pulling in those five stars every single season. Yeah. But, I mean, he's got a behemoth down there. That kid, Wiseman, is yeah. a monster. Yeah, but when, you, when you're a kid and you, you see Penny Hardaway coming to, your, coming to your living room, him and, and you probably got his shoes on, and then you got Mike Miller, who he was, he was the fifth pick. He was picked before me. He's yeah. NBA champion, and them guys, you know, they got Kyrie, and they got them guys stopping through practice when they come in town, and that's a culture that you would want to be be a part of because, you know, you respect them guys who played the game before you, and again, guys who played, especially at a high level like that. It's be hard to say no. I probably would have. Penny came and asked me to play for him. I probably would have played myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that didn't happen. <laughs> Very yeah. glad that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, Damar, I've been, I appreciate the uh, the patience you've had here and also giving us some of your time today. I do want to send you off here with what I'm going to call the corner three questions. All right. Are you ready for this? Yeah. They're difficult. They're, They're difficult. controversial. And controversial. <laughs> I don't want you to make enemies in Cincinnati, but it could happen. I do my best. So, first question. Skyline or Gold Star? Um, I haven't had Gold Star. I've only had Skyline. And you haven't said if so, you like Skyline or not. So, 
It's okay. It's okay. Right, the first right. time I had it, it was funny because my cousin who don't even live here, he was telling me about it. Like, you haven't had Skyline? Because he's like a foodie. He knows all this stuff. So I went to get it. Um, thought it was good. When I got it again, it was okay. I'm like, all right, I can't burn myself out on it. So he got it a few times. <laughs> so that's enough for now. All right. All right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll check that off for Skyline. That's a win for Skyline. Right. What is your favorite flavor of ice cream at Grater's? At where? Grater's? I haven't been there. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, I, don't, I don't even know what that is. Where is it? Grater's ice cream? They're everywhere. Yeah. They're everywhere in Cincinnati. There's one in Clifton on Ludlow Avenue. And I'm going to have to insist that you go ahead and try that and report back. Right. Incredibly I popular. Cream from U- I get from UDF. Uh, yeah, UDF's, UDF's uh, nice. Yeah. But I'll just say this. Graders made Oprah's, whatever Oprah's list is, that's Could what Graders made. So if okay. Oprah likes it, that's, I'd say that's a good cosign. Okay, before the next one. All right. Which one is better, Skyline or or Ghost Star? Oh, it's Skyline. It's Skyline, hundred percent. So no need for me to go to Ghost Star. No, no need. <laughs> no need. Don't waste your time. <laughs> uh, last question, Hummer. What's your favorite Clifton bar? Favorite Clifton bar. Oh, now, man. So I don't really, I don't really hang out at Clifton bars, but the one I've probably been in the most is Saint Clair. And I actually heard that's closing down. Oh, I didn't hear that. I don't even yeah, know if I've been to St. Clair's. Somebody told me that last night. They said Pavilion and St. Clair's both closing. Wow. Mm. Did not know this. And I was just thinking as he asked that question, the time you were in Clifton, you were about 18, 19 years old. So you probably... Yeah. <laughs> no. Maybe you yeah, weren't so in the Clifton I, bars. You know? Maybe in you were Clifton. in your room studying. I don't know. Right. I, well, I probably wasn't in the room studying, but <laughs> I, I, I didn't drink. I didn't drink till I got to the NBA, so... I went to Vertigo's a lot, and you probably guys probably don't even know what Vertigo's was. But it's probably you know, before your time. Yeah, it might be before. I don't know about Vertigo's. You know about Vertigo's? No. What part of town? Yeah, was that? it was. It was like right across the street, like on the strip where like Kroger is. It was like like a strip up there, and Vertigo's like the only place we we went to really. Okay, I'm have to do. I, it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, no. Oh, okay. I wish we had all the options that the guys have now. <laughs> Yeah, there, we could use probably a couple more options on out there. But uh, tomorrow, I think so the last what, thing. What bar, what, what bar you guys like up there? Oh, where did we go all the time? The old Holy Grail before the new one opened. Uh, right. Was... Well, if that one was there, if I if I had a chance to to go to that one, it'll probably be that one because I love the people Holy Grail. Them, them, my guys. Yep. Yeah, Holy Grail was probably my uh, the most frequent for me, and then. Woody's is another good Woody's, option. Woody's, yeah, yeah. Just uh, not on Sundays. I like, I like Woody's. That's why I figured you guys were going to say Woody's. Yep, Woody's is a good one. So tomorrow we do end every episode dedicating the podcast and shouting out a former Bearcat, any Bearcat. We're not looking for you know name recognition necessarily, but I actually want to give you the opportunity to send this podcast off by dedicating it to the Bearcat of your choosing. Who are we, who are we dedicating this podcast to? That's hard for me to just sing about a person to, to dedicate. The There's going to be many more podcasts. We'll make sure we cover those guys. We're not excluding, but we can only do then, one at a time. That, does that does it have to be a player? No, you know what? No, it doesn't. All right, I'll I'll dedicate the podcast to Coach Huggins. Coach Huggins, nice. Boom. 
I love that dedication. <laughs> Why do you want to dedicate it to hugs? Well, I, I don't want to sing about a player, especially someone who's on my team, because those are my guys. Um, but Huggins was like, you know, father figure to all of us. And and he he always going to be, you know, the, the, the big guy here to us. Uh, I think you're 100% correct. I think uh, there's a lot of people who just heard that dedication who are very happy to hear it. So right. I appreciate people still that. People still crying for him to come back since I've been here. And I'm <laughs> like trying to tell these guys, I'm like, no, nah, Mick's great, man. Mick's a good coach. Mick's a good coach. And they're like, man, hugs. We need hugs. We need hugs. I fought a lot of battles with people about Mick Cronin when he first got hired. People were not ready to let that go. Right. Might have been right. one of those battles right. with me at the time, but I've 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 came I came to know and love and and, and love Mick Cronin, uh, you know, with all those guys. If you look back, I think if you're looking back at the program, Hugs kind of started us off to getting us here today. Yeah. Without Huggins, you know, are we sitting here still talking about obsessing over Cincinnati basketball? Did we have another ten years of just nothing? <laughs> right. Huggins made, yeah, Huggins made the Cincinnati basketball program the, the name that it is today, at least in my humble opinion. So to that, cheers to Bob Huggins. Thank you, Coach, for your years of service here. And Damar, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate your generosity. Thank you. No problem, man. Thanks, you guys, for having me. Appreciate thank it, you. sir. That concludes our first interview with a former Bearcat player or coach. Thank you again to Damar Johnson for agreeing to appear on the podcast. It is a huge deal for people like Hummer and myself who grew up watching the Bearcats. You know, we were kids when the 99-2000 team made its run. And to have someone of DeMar's stature on the podcast, talking hoops with us, talking about his own experiences in the NBA and elsewhere, just a really remarkable experience. So thank you again. If you enjoyed the podcast, enjoyed the interview, please Go on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating and a review. It is hugely appreciated and the best way to support the podcast. Again, go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a five-star rating and a review, help us spread the word. We're now available on two other platforms, Spotify and Stitcher. Spread the word. Help us get this podcast started. Help us get it out there. We really enjoy doing it, and we truly appreciate all the support you've given us so far. Finally, we're available on Twitter, at Cincy Slangin is the handle. We can also reach us on email, CincySlangin at gmail.com. That's CincySlangin at gmail.com. Thank you.